in the middle. And what a finish that is. Mason Mounts. That is extraordinary from Fikayo Tomori. Loses Callum Hunt to the door. And there it is. His first goal. For Chelsea, the teenager, a moment he will remember. Hello and welcome back to the Chelsea Spot podcast. You can find all our links in the description, including Spotify, iTunes. Make sure and go, make sure to go and check out our website with all our all our brilliant articles. And uh, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram. So thank you for that. Today I am joined by Case Van Hemmen, Dutch football expert. Um, we're going to be doing what is really um, pretty much a Hakim Ziyech special. Although we're going to be talking about a few other Ajax players who uh, Chelsea have been linked with as well. Uh, so thank you so much for joining me, Case. Yeah, yeah, I'm, ha- I'm happy to be here. Um, and I'm just going to give you an opportunity now. Um, not only is Case um, a Dutch football expert, enthusiast, he is also a fantastic football writer, um, Manchester United fan, and he's done some brilliant pieces recently, uh, which you can find on his Twitter at Hem and Case. And if there's any you want to talk about quickly now, then feel free. Uh, yeah, I mean, Chelsea podcast, so... Uh, I've got articles on, on Hakim Ziyech uh, and, and Andre Onana, who I think we're going to talk about uh, today as well. Yeah. Um, so those would probably be the two <laughs> of interest, but there's, there's tons more. There's, I yeah. personally loved the one, the one you did a, a few weeks ago on Mason Greenwood. That was brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah I talk about um, sort of how he's finishing so well, whether it will last, um, and, and sort of a few other aspects of his game. Um, what, what you can expect going forward, I try to break that down. Yeah. All right. Brilliant. So um, we're going to move into uh, the first uh, topic of discussion, which is obviously Hakim Ziyech, the Moroccan winger who, who Chelsea have just bought. He's just this week started training with the Chelsea first team. There are some great videos on the Chelsea social media, um, social medias of, of Ziyech kind of participating in, in rondos and small-sided games with the Chelsea squad and stuff. So it's great to see that he's, he's settling in. The first thing that I kind of see when I, when I look at this signing is it's only €40 million, Euros, which seems to be such a bargain. So I just wanted to ask you, really, why is it so cheap? I know it's a release clause, but why is his release clause so low for such a, a great player? And also that I kind of get the feeling that Ajax fans aren't that disappointed but more happy for him because they feel he deserves to kind of move his career and play for a bigger or better club. Is, is that right? Yeah, so sort of the, the model that Ajax have um, embraced under Van der Sar and, uh, and Overmars is sort of creating this culture of bringing in really, really top-of-the-line players. I mean, they, br- they brought in Tadic, they brought in a Blind back from Manchester United um, and sort of promising them that if things go as well as they expect, they'll be moved on within a reasonable amount of time at a reasonable fee to bigger clubs. And it's sort of, I'm, I don't think it's written into their contracts, but it's an understanding that I think most players have when they join Iox. Um, so, so Ziyech, to some extent, had that when he signed from, from Twente uh, four or five years ago now. Um, and he's... He's been an excellent servant of the club. I think most people understood that he had outgrown the league. If you look at his numbers this, this, this term in the, in the Eredivisie, 
they're ridiculous. They're they're yeah. completely unbelievable. So, um, I, I, yeah, I don't I don't think anyone's particularly disappointed. Um, they they Would they go far as far as saying as he's maybe one of the the best players in the league. He is the best player in the league. Right. It's, okay. It, it's not particular. I mean, the only person who who it's even particularly close with is 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 Tadic, his his teammate. So, right. yeah, he, he's. And, and it's been that way for probably two years now. Um, he's completely outgrown it. It's, it. He should have been gone long ago. So I think everybody understood he was kind of on borrowed time. Yeah, and even more so that his release clause was that low. Because I have to admit, I had no idea when I saw that, that we signed him for what, 40 million euros or however many pounds that is, I think around 35 million. I was like, that is such a bargain. But even more so, how come other teams haven't gone for him earlier? And I just feel like Chelsea got really lucky in that respect, I guess. Yeah, I'm, I'm really... I don't have a great answer for that. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I wrote a piece on him back in December, and sort of the moral of the piece was, I have no idea why this guy is still yeah. playing. I, it... It, it, it doesn't really make sense to me. I mean, I think part of it is he's a really high-usage player. He needs right. to have the ball at his feet to, to be everything that he can be. And I think some bigger sides felt, oh, maybe he's not good enough to be the guy for us, which I disagree with. But um, So I think some people were scared off by that, the fact that he doesn't really read like a role player. Right. And I think perhaps also he was... Although I don't think he should have been, he was perhaps maybe slightly in, in the shadow of, of guys like Matthias de Ligt and, and Frankie de Jong uh, last year in, in Ajax's fantastic Champions League run. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's definitely, there's truth in that. Um, it's funny, though, because really, they, the, the, those two left, um, and Ajax were sort of shit... Nobody will acknowledge this, and I think most people would, would will tell you I'm seeing I'm I'm seeing things. But <laughs> they were horrible in the group stages of of the Champions League this term. The fact that yeah. they were even close to qualifying, I think, is a bit of a miracle. Um, they were wide open at the back. They got cut, caught on the counter constantly because they couldn't break down deep blocks. Um, Lille should have had them at least once. Valencia certainly should have had them uh, in in the match where they where they uh, where they lost to to Ajax. And, and really, Ziyech scored that insane goal, didn't he? Exactly, Ziyech did, was incredible, and the rest of the team <laughs> was kind of mediocre, yeah. um, with the exception of Onana. Actually, he was he, he was also incredible, um, but yeah, he, he was. Very much the driving force. There was nothing else dynamic about the side the way it had been the previous year. Um, and you sort of saw how good he could be. Because the rest of the team wasn't working around him. And they were still creating chances because of what he was offering. It was, I think, I think for me it was a bit of a watershed moment where I realized, oh, like, <laughs> he is as good as the guys who left. Right. But do you think it would perhaps not be unfair to say that you can't really expect much else when you let go your your captain and your best ball pro- progressor and don't really replace them? 
Yeah, I mean, just yeah. Um, especially, uh, well, losing both of them was a, was a big deal. But from a defensive standpoint, going from Delict to um, often Veltman or or yeah, it was t- in the Champions League it was typically Veltman um, is a huge drop off from a recovery pace standpoint, from an aerial prowess standpoint, and. And they were routinely exposed on the counterattack, um, yeah. which, yeah, it, <laughs> they got. Luckily, Onana was on his game like he's never been um, in the group stages. Because otherwise, they, I think they would have could have conceded three or four goals a match. It was, it was catastrophic in some in some in some ways. Right. So, the next thing I want to ask you is: we've already talked about him quite a lot, but just kind of on Ziyech. I assume there will be some people listening to this who have maybe haven't watched watched Ajax much, um, maybe which is fair enough. They were they were watching other Champions League games when Ajax were playing, especially this season. Obviously, Chelsea were playing often at the same time as Ajax. So, for anyone who hasn't really seen much of Ziyech, what kind of player is he? What are his strengths and weaknesses? And I guess the real question is, what can Chelsea fans expect from him? Yeah. So, so I kind of touched on this earlier. He's a super high-usage player. He needs to have the ball. Um, but more than that, what he probably his best attribute is um, his, his crossing. You could call it crossing. But really, yeah. it's, he has this diagonal delivery from uh, sort of like a deeper area on the right wing that is sort of – it's like a – it's 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 one of the most effective tools in world football for opening up a deep block. It's, we saw it against Chelsea, didn't we? When yeah. Prince Promise scored the header. Yeah. Um it's it's definitely his most distinct uh weapon and I it's something that I think is going to be hyper effective in the Premier League. It's 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 not unlike and I I don't <laughs> I don't make this comparison lightly. Um it's not unlike what what uh De Bruyne was doing earlier in the, in the term um, right. w- with the, that volume crossing that he was offering for City. I think it's it's similar in certain ways. He's probably not as good with it, but it's it's a very similar thing. Um, yeah, yeah. And I guess with that crossing, do you think, I know obviously the strikers that Chelsea already have in Tammy Abraham and Olivier Giroud, those two will love that and so will Christian Pulisic but I wonder how compatible that is with with Timo Werner how do you think that will work out um interesting question I think it'll be fine uh one thing about uh how Ajax set up this term they sold uh their uh, well it Huntelaar barely played in the Champions League um but it was still a, a pretty effective weapon despite the fact that they weren't playing a, an out-and-out out number nine, um, because uh, Promes was, was attacking that ball from wide areas. So I think, I think that's something Werner can, uh, can, can offer um, in the same way Pulisic does. Uh, so I, I, th- I think in a lot of ways, it, it, the two will work together. Ziyech also uh, plays the ball in behind pretty frequently. He's very good at it, especially... Um, when when in in releasing on the counterattack and that's something that I think will work well with with Werner as well so yeah I, very pacey I, player complement each other yeah that's great great to hear and I'm sure 
all Chelsea fans listening will, will love that. Um, so you already kind of touched on it, but something that Chelsea have really, really struggled with this year is breaking down low blocks. You know, we went through a period, I think, in kind of October, November uh, time, and we, we lost 1-0 to West Ham at home. We lost... Um, what else did we do? We lost to 1-0 to Bournemouth at home. We lost 2-0 to Southampton at home, although that wasn't so much a low block. But, um, you know, Chelsea have really, really struggled with it. And Frank Lampard hasn't, um, has been so clear um, that he wants players who can break down low blocks. He, he said it in his press conference, says, we struggle with breaking down low blocks. All Chelsea fans know that. Um, and obviously you've said that you think that Hakim Ziyech will, will be really useful in that respect. But I just wonder if it will take a bit of time for him to adapt to that because there are much more low blocks in the Premier League than the Eredivisie, isn't that right? Yeah, so that, that's absolutely true. Um, I, think, I, re- I think, honestly, if you, if you look at his performances um, the last few years in the, in the Champions League um, and even in the Europa League um, a couple years before that, he's never... Uniquely for players who are who, who who play domestically in the Netherlands, he's never had trouble with deep blocks. It's never been an issue. Um, he, he'll play over them. He'll play through them. He's he's a solid dribbler. It's not his best at, attribute, but he's a solid dribbler. So he can uh, break break players down uh, one versus one. I, I he's he's probably your coming in as your most effective player against deep blocks is what I would say. Yeah. Um, well, that's, that's brilliant to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think, I think ultimately where you're going to see him shine is in matches against Burnley, stereotypically. Uh, yeah. B- Burnley. Um, They're the ar- archetypal low block, yeah, aren't they? Exactly. Um, but really, any kind of relegation-threatened team, who, especially at, in home games, pretty much any relegation-threatened team in the Premier League will just come to Stamford Bridge and play a low block because they know it, it's tried and tested. It works. Fair play to them. I don't have any issues with them doing that. It's fair enough. Yeah. No. 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 I. I was. See, I was trying to think of that, but then I was thinking of the the sides that were coming up, and I was like, oh, I don't think Leeds are gonna. <laughs> yeah. Sit in against you. Never mind. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. So. I think ultimately that's going to be a huge boon for your, for, for Chelsea as a team, because no one else in, in, in your, in your, at your club offers that same skill set. Williams is to a certain extent is a, obviously he's a good crosser, but it's not as dynamic as what Ziyech offers. Um, I don't think he's as diverse a playmaker. Yeah. And I think lots of Chelsea fans would argue that he's also very inconsistent in that. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, that, that, so, that, well. yeah, great. So the next question I wanted to ask you kind of ties into that. And I wonder whether there might be kind of different answers to it, because I was going to ask you what you think his best position is. Um, and for me, I would I would have said from from what I've watched of him, obviously you've watched a lot more, but I would have said definitely on the right. I know he's played at, at eight and ten and, and in other positions throughout his career. But I would say that his best position, to me, definitely seems to be on the right wing. But I just wonder, maybe against low blocks, could he be more suited to a, a deep, a more central role or a deeper role? 
I don't think so. I, I, I definitely think right wing is his best position. Um, I, as long as you're getting him into the right half space where he can deliver those, those balls over the top, um, it'll work. He's an ex. Like what, what it really comes down to is he's an incredible player. So you put put him anywhere, and he's just this incredibly technical footballer. So it's not yeah. gonna. Be, it's not like you're gonna put him an attacking midfielder, and he's gonna fall apart the way some players would out of position. Um, but I definitely wouldn't play him at eight. I don't think that's a good use of what he offers. Um, though he's done it. Um, he, he's an active presser off the ball, but he's really not an active defender in general. Um, especially earlier in his career when he had first come from Twente, um, he had no interest in defending and it's something he's grown into, but I, I'm not sure how he'd fare in central midfield in the premier league. I, I, yeah. Especially with the kind of rise of people like to call them pace and power players. Yeah. And Ziyech is also very skinny. You you don't get it. Yeah. You don't see it because he's tall, but he's very skinny. There is no, there is no muscle on his bones. <laughs> I, I'm not sure how he fares in like in a physical duel with Declan Rice. Like I, I think yeah. you want to avoid yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think some Chelsea fans will be hoping that he won't have to because Declan Rice will be playing behind him in the yeah. same team. But yeah. that's just the dream. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think yeah that 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 seems fair enough. Um, I wonder we've talked about him playing against low blocks, but um, I wonder whether he would. You think how I wonder how you think he would fare against bigger teams and play teams who like to press. And I guess I guess he'll fare just as well, if not better. Yeah. So he'll he'll yeah. So he'll be fine against the in those in those matches and. In a lot of cases, it'll be reminiscent of uh, the environment that there was in the Champions League last season against Real Madrid and, and yeah. Tottenham and, and Juventus. Um, but the one like drawback of Ziyech is because he wants the ball so much and he, he, he does all these high-risk, high-reward actions. He's a volume crosser. He's also a volume shooter, which can be really frustrating. Mm. Um, yeah, I think what he's he's averaging eleven shots or shot assists per match. Wow, um, which is just a ridiculous number. Um, Reminds me a little bit of uh, Bruno Fernandez recently. Yeah, it's it, not unlike it. Um, I'd say he probably shoots more than Fernandez. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I think he's shooting five point one times. Per match in in the Netherlands, and Fernandez is shooting three point eight. Okay. I happen to be very familiar with the two numbers, um, but yeah, so he, he's arguably more, even more of a volume player than Fernandez, though he likes to settle on the ball more. Um, Fernandez will do will play a lot of stuff off one touch. Yeah. Uh, kind of likes to to cradle the ball and consider what he's going to do more, um, though he can play off one touch. So I think what you'll find in bigger matches is he'll either seem like he's the best player on the pitch or he's going to drive you. He's, you're going to be pulling your hair out because mm. when he's off, he's going to waste 10 or 15 possessions match. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be incredibly <laughs> frustrating to watch. But you know what? 
we've seen Frank Lampard is so not afraid to kind of just bring players off if they're not playing well, and especially considering the amount of attacking depth that Chelsea are going to have next season. I yeah. don't know if that will be so much a problem. Yeah, I, the one thing I worry about, and I say this just from a point of, like, a, from a perspective of loving Ziyech as a player, I, like, he's just one of my favorite uh, footballers to watch in the world. I really hope Lampard is patient with him because yeah. if, like, the, if in the first few matches he's, he's, waste, he's wasting possession really frequently, I think there's a – I'm worried that he'll get labeled um, sort of as a flop and not suited to the league. And what it ultimately will wind up being is he just needed more match time. Well, you uh, know what? The same thing did actually happen with Christian Pulisic when, when he – at the beginning of this season, he just kind of played the first few games and then didn't play for about five weeks. And sometimes he didn't even make the bench. And people were on Chelsea Twitter were saying, "Oh, Frank Lampard has a anti anti like a, an agenda against players who aren't British. He play he only plays Cobham graduates, blah blah blah." And then now he's look at he's our best player basically. So um, I think. Lampard knew what he was doing, really, with Pulisic. And he, Lampard's recently spoken that Pulisic um, has spent lots of time with the, the strength and conditioning coach at Chelsea, um, like one-to-one with him, kind of getting to grips with the league. So I, I hope that, in the same respect, that shouldn't be so much of a problem with Ziyech, even if he has a shaky or a slow start. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. It's all speculation, obviously. but Yeah, of course. I'm- like, just the, the type of player he is, is the type of player who either starts red hot and the fans wind up loving him, or he starts cold and he gets scapegoated for things that aren't even really his fault. Yeah, and unfortunately, that's something that happens loads in, in football, especially increasingly nowadays. Yeah. So, kind of t- to tie into this, um, what are your expectations for his first year in the Premier League obviously you can predict loads of things and they're not necessarily likely to to come true but from seeing him as a player over the last however many years what um do you think he'll excel at in the Premier League what do you think he maybe won't do so well with um do you think he'll he'll start slow do you think he'll well you already said that but uh just what are your expectations for how he'll fare if he plays as much as I think he should, he's going to deliver double-digit assists. I, there's, there's really no wow. doubt in my mind about that. Um, he's, he, at his best, he's completely game-breaking. Um, at his worst, he's, he's, he's horrible to watch. It's, it's, yeah. But, but those, those moments are rare now, increasingly rare. He's, he's, just this, he's, he's got tons of quality. So I think ultimately, yeah, I think his, his strengths are he's got just about every type of creative measure you could have uh, in his toolkit. But also uh, his weaknesses are he tries a lot of stuff and it doesn't always come off. And he's also super one-footed. He mm. really likes to have the ball on his left foot. And sometimes that can hurt him. But you know what? I, I was thinking about that, and I was actually having having a similar conversation about his one-footedness with another Chelsea fan friend. And we were just kind of thinking about other um, Chelsea 
sorry, not other Chelsea, but other one-footed uh, players in the Premier League. And really, uh, the main comparison to Hakim Ziyech that we came up with, it may be a bit of a lazy comparison because, you know, they're both from North Africa, but Riyad Mahrez is, is a sort of a similar player. And he, he, he's done fine, hasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, Mahrez... Mahrez is... Um, he's much more of uh, a take-on player, obviously. Uh, likes to dribble a lot more. Yeah. Um, Very silky. He's, like, capable as a dribbler, but I think he's, he's far more interested in uh, dribbling for the purposes of getting in a position to 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 deliver like a killer ball um then he is just breaking down a player to break him down and then maybe getting off a shot um he's more of like a ball carrier as opposed to a 1v1 guy i see Uh, but yeah i i I take the point about how the two-footedness fits in it's i don't think it'll ultimately be a problem some of the best players in the premier league are super one-footed they always have been so yeah yeah, ultimately, I don't think it'll be a major issue, but he passes up shots that he could have on his right foot. He passes up passes he could have on his right foot, and it does affect his body orientation in, in weird ways. But ultimately, he's so good on his left, you take that every day. Like, like it doesn't yeah. matter. But you know what? That can even be a good thing for the team, if, even if it's not for him. If you have, you know, like three defenders from the same team on kind of marking his left foot in order or trying to block passes or shots from his left foot then he can just play a five yarder backwards and then they switch it and you know there's another player halfway across the pitch in loads of space so it can end up being a good thing for the team yeah absolutely um and 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 not only that i think you guys have a very few left-footed players if i have that yeah yeah i'm very happy that we signed signed another left-footed player yeah um I think it'll work out. I don't think the two-footedness is ultimately going to be an issue, but it's something to know. Um, other than that, he's sometimes really wasteful. He's very one-footed. Other than that, I don't think he really has huge weaknesses. Um, he's obviously a specialist player, though. He's He's got a very specific role that he fulfills. Mm. All right, that's brilliant. Um, thank you so much for, for your insight on him. I think loads of... Well, I don't see how you could be a Chelsea fan and not be excited about about Hakim Ziyech and what, what he brings to the table. So I think all of us, including you, um, will be really excited to see how he does next season and even going moving on further than that into the, the seasons to come afterwards and wondering about how kind of high his ceiling goes and, and how good he can be. Um, so yeah, that'll be brilliant to see. Now we're going to move on to... Another player who Chelsea have been heavily linked with. Um, Well, there are two other Ajax players who Chelsea have been linked with. And the links come basically because they are the two positions that Chelsea really, really need to sign players in. And that's uh, Andre Onana in goal and Nico Taliafico at left back. So we're going to talk about Onana first. Um, For people who haven't seen much of him, what kind of... A goalie is he? Is he? Um, does he like to come off his line a lot? Is he commanding of his area? That's something that that Chelsea fans will really want because Kepa is just one of the least commanding keepers you will ever see. Um, so yeah, what what kind of a player is he? Um, I would say he's a cross collecting extremist. 
Oh, that's um, brilliant to hear. <laughs> yeah, he some, sometimes he'll get caught out doing it, to be honest, because he really, really likes to come for crosses. Um, yeah, so, so th- that's something he'll do. Um, and he's, in, as, in comparison to Keppa, he's far more athletic. He's got much stronger hands. Um, I, th- I think in that respect, you're going to be very happy. He's super commanding of his area. Um, he's, he's sort of, in a lot of ways, been uh, the, the defensive leader uh, for Ajax in terms of their organization this year. So he likes um, shouting at his defenders. Uh, yes. Um, Blind obviously is, is a more senior player, and in, in, in some ways he, he is a leader as well. Um, but he's Onana's very authoritative. He, 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 he takes control of matches. Um, yeah, so, so he, and he's, he's an, also an excellent shot stopper, certainly better than, than Keppa. Um, <laughs> That's not that hard, though. Yeah, it's not a high bar, but he's, <laughs> he, he's a very good shot stopper. He, yeah. In, in, in a small sample size, um, his Champions League shot stopping numbers are the best in the world. Really? Um, wow. Yeah. Over the, over the last two seasons, his, his post-shot numbers are the best in the world. Um, whether that's sustainable, unclear. Um, and, and, and in the league this term, he definitely hasn't been as good as he's been in the Champions League. Um, yeah, yeah. Right. That, that, that sounds great. I think that's really the exact kind of goalkeeper that, that Chelsea fans are crying out for. Someone who's authoritative um, and commands the area and obviously you know, knows how to save a few shots once in a, once in a while as well. Um, but now that we've established kind of what kind of a player is he, I wanted to ask how likely you think a move to Chelsea for him is. Um, you know, does he have a release clause? It seems like Ajax are prepared to let him leave. I think Eric Ten Hag um, was quoted saying that um, he wants to keep him, but if a club comes in with the right offer, then, you know, he'll be okay with letting him leave. And we've seen, um, I think, in reports um, that, that around a fee of around £35 million is being quoted. So a similar fee to, to, that, uh, to the one that was for Ziyech. How, how likely do you think a move to Chelsea for Onana is? I think, ultimately, uh, what, what, what this Ajax administration has been doing is essentially a player gets really good and then they convince him to stay for one extra year. Um, it's what they did with De Jong. Um, it's what they did with Ziyech. It's what they did with Onana last summer. Um, so I think Onana was expecting to leave this summer. Um, obviously, things got complicated uh, with the virus. Um, but also, there just isn't that much demand for goalkeepers outside yeah. of you. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to say that. Uh, I think the, he, the only other club that... From what I've seen, he's been linked to his Barcelona, but I, that doesn't make any sense really to me unless to Stegen leaves. But then where would he leave to? So, you know, that move doesn't make too much sense. Um, and then the only other club I could really think of who perhaps want a goalkeeper is Borussia Dortmund, but their goalie, Roman Berkey, has just signed a new contract extension. So I don't know how likely that is either. Yeah, so I think if Onana is to leave, and I, before, 
three months ago, I would have told you he's definitely leaving. Now I would tell you it's a little less likely, but I think he still probably will leave. And I think if he does leave, it will be to go to, to, to London to, to play for Chelsea. Right. Um, but yeah, 30, 35 million euros, I think, is the, is the number that's been getting tossed around. Um, that would not surprise me. Because like, like I said, it, it's sort of, if not in writing, it, there, there, are, there are gentlemen's agreements between Ajax and most of their players, their senior players, that if an offer comes in around this number, you can go. Um, yeah. I guess that that's fair enough. They, it's interesting the ethos of a, of a club like Ajax. Maybe they value their players. Um, you know, if their players go on to play to big te- for big teams, especially ones that they've either had come through their academy or recruited at a very young age. When they kind of move to to big teams, they see that as a kind of success for for themselves and for the club model. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And they and they celebrate. Um, their players leaving. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as odd as that sounds, um, since since Ziyech, uh announced the move, he um, they're they're yeah, so seen on the social media club have basically been throwing like a six month party. Um, mm. We've seen on the on the social medias they they keep on saying you know oh I, uh, Chelsea are going to have fun with him. In fact, Leipzig were doing the same for Werner as well. It's yeah, a bit, it's, it's a bit odd. With, with Leipzig, it's kind of like corporate, and you can tell it's a bit of a gimmick, though, right? Yeah, like you it's, can tell. Yeah, it's a it's a little uh, sort of a different vibe than I think. It's a different vibe than what Ajax are doing, though. It's similar. It's similar. We saw with Ajax, I think, a few weeks ago, like on ZX last day in training, they did a whole basically party and they gave him a gift and everything. You could see it was really sincere from all the, the backroom staff and, and everyone at the club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So um, the other Ajax player that, that Chelsea have been linked to, I mentioned already, is, is Nicolas uh, Tagliafico, the Argentine left back. Um, and for him, a price of around twenty-five million pounds is being quoted, so around thirty million euros, so slightly cheaper. Um, I just wanted to mention we saw the other day uh, in in one of his press conferences, Brendan Rodgers, the Leicester manager, he sent a very very clear message saying Ben Chilwell is not for sale, not even this summer, just basically ever. Um, so I, I, to me, that seems that off the basis of that a transfer of Tagliafico to Chelsea could be much more likely because I think everyone knows that Chilwell was Chelsea's number one target, but they're not prepared. You know, seeing as Rogers has said that, that Chilwell's not for sale, that means it would take loads and loads of money to to, to get Leicester to, to part with him, which I just don't think Chelsea prepared to do, especially after having already spent quite a lot of money this window. Um, yeah. So, 80 million euros? I, I saw that the other day. 80 million euros for Ben Chilwell? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so either. I, I do like him as a player, and I, I do rate him, and he would be my first choice uh, for Chelsea to bring as a as a left-back, but at that price, it, it's just a bit ridiculous, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I think that that makes it seem like this, this transfer is, is quite likely. I think the only real other left back that Chelsea have had strong links with is, is Alex Tellers, 
um, who I have to admit I don't know that much about, um, but I would probably rather Tagliafico than, than him uh, for us to bring in. Um, but having said that, I do have a few reservations about Tagliafico because I don't feel that he's that much better than Marcus Alonso in a back four. Um, what, do you agree with that, or, or are you going to tell me that he's a, he's a magnificent player? No, yeah, so I'm not as high on Tagliafico as others are. Um, I think he's an upgrade over Alonso, especially in a back four. Um, he's, before I get into what he offers going forward, I think he's much more of a, a, like a side-to-side horizontal athlete in terms of his ability to play one versus one. Um, and he's just generally more disciplined going forward. Um, especially last season in the Champions League, Ajax actually played their, their fullbacks pretty deep, um, which you don't generally expect from, from a more attacking side, but they, they really played uh, more reserved roles. And Tagliafico executed that well. Um, <clears throat> so I think in terms of defensive stability, he's, a, he's an upgrade. Um, Even despite the, his well, height. So actually, we, an odd thing about Tagliafico um, he's actually very good in the air. Huh, okay. Um, for his height, for his height. Obviously, yeah. he's, he's a short guy. But um, he has, I think it's either seven or eight goals from set pieces. Since oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and most of them are headers. <laughs> most of them are headers directly from corners. It's, mm. it's, it's a very interesting phenomenon. But it happens, and it's not a fluke. He's... he's Really good about timing, uh, timing contact in the air, um, and he's he's an athlete. Um, yeah, he, he's he's got a good vertical, which is encouraging considering how small he is. Mm. That that's really good to hear about um, him tie, being good at timing his jump saw because that's actually one of the big issues that I have with pretty much most of Chelsea's defenders, especially the centre backs, that they are just. Basically, none of them are good at timing jumps for headers. Um, yeah. Even though someone like Kurt Zuma, I've said this before on this podcast, his numbers in aerial duels are some of the best in the league. But when it comes to defending crosses, he so often mistimes his jumps. Yeah. So, yeah. Tagli yeah. Figo's still not going to be, like, he's such a small person that I think he's not going to, like, make the difference at a set piece and clear the ball, right? But he, right. he won't expose the way you'd expect him to, is what I would say. He'll, he'll win headers at the back post. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, you talked about him defensively. What's, what's he like going forward, even if he hasn't kind of played so much of an attacking role? Yeah, so, so before I get into the, into the attacking, the one weakness, the, like the one major thing that worries me about Tagliafico defensively in in the Premier League, is he throws himself into challenges Mm. um, really aggressively. And part of that is because he has really good body control. But it's much easier to get away with in the Netherlands um, against lower quality uh, wingers than it is... Like, I can't even imagine what would happen if he he slid in against Mahrez the way he he does in the the Eredivisie. But you know what? Like... Marcus Alonso and Emerson probably do that 10 times worse than he does. So even though it may not be that good, it's probably a lot better than what we currently have. It Maybe, but it, he's very aggressive about it. And I think it's, right. it's, sometimes it's, it's rash. Um, 
But yeah, anyway, going forward, um, you know, he's an interesting player because in, in European competition, he's been used uh, much more withdrawn, um, sort of as, as, as a, uh, an outlet and buildup as opposed to somebody playing higher up the pitch, um, sort of in that classic attacking fullback role, um, maintaining width. <clears throat> but in the league, he's had a totally different role. Um, he's used high up. So a lot of the time inverted, um, he'll take up positions between the lines, which is really interesting. Um, and and I, he, he actually has a pretty diverse set of deliveries. Um, and he, he, he bags goals for a left back. It's actually much more than you'd expect. Um, he, he's a goal scorer, but I would say his game is it. There's nothing super impressive about him going forward. He's not the same player that Alonzo is. Yeah. Um, he's not electric. He's he's serviceable. He's good. He's good going forward. I just when you say about how he's much better defensively than he is going forward, it makes me wonder. This may be this may be really crazy. But how do you think he would fare on the left of a back three if we do? decide to play that, that back three in order to accommodate Marcus Alonso? I think he could do it. I, I don't think he's an elite defender, to be clear. I, I think he's a, an upgrade over Alonso in a back four. Um, but I don't think he's, he's going like to lock, lock the left wing down. Um, he's good. He's a solid defender at left back. Um, I guess he could play on the left of a back three, but I definitely wouldn't buy him and then do that. Cause right. I think he's like, I wouldn't buy him for that purpose. Cause I do think he, um, he's a left back very much. So fine. And, but I guess when you say, you know, like he, he's not going to be like an outstanding player, but when you're building teams like Chelsea are basically doing at the moment, We've just bought two kind of mega stars. I, you don't have to have everyone in the team being being someone like that. So I think there's there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And I think from what you're saying, I, I think he could be quite a useful cog in this team and, and for years to come. I think he's, he's 27. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a little older than you'd like, really. But um, yeah. Yeah. I think he can be useful. He's, he's a useful player. Yeah. All right. Um. So, yeah, that, that's, that's all we've got to say on Talia Fico, really, unless there's anything else you, you want to say on him. Um, well, I mean, in terms of just knowing what you're getting, getting into, he's a very uh, – he's a passionate player. He's, okay. He's the kind of player that the fans want, will, will wind up loving because he's really emotional on the pitch. Mm. Um, in a way, a lot of the Ajax players probably are. Yeah. Well, that that's that's great. I love that. <laughs> I think actually Chelsea fans will agree with me in saying that we don't have enough of those players who will make, maybe scream at your teammates or even at the referee or kind of lead by example, perhaps in in challenges and stuff like that. Um, we don't really have enough players like that, and that that could be one of the reasons that, that he's being targeted by Chelsea because I know that. That's something that Frank Lampard is very keen on, having played in himself in teams with so many huge leaders. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. All right. So, yeah, that, that's brilliant. Thanks so much for, for 
giving me your, your expertise on, on those three players. Just for the final point, you know, I couldn't have you on the pod and talk all about Ajax without quickly mentioning the epic that was uh, our 4-4 draw with them in the Champions League group stage uh, back in November at Stamford Bridge. Uh, I was actually at the game for that, which was quite an incredible experience. Uh, what was your experience of that game? Um, frustration. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I, I don't think Ajax should have been as far ahead as they were when that incident happened with the two back-to-back red cards. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think it probably should have been a closer match when that happened. Mm-hmm. Um but then it was just hectic. It was just <laughs> a, a great watch for the next 20 minutes, right? Because it was just end-to-end. Yeah. End. Well, when Azpilicueta scored uh, what would have been the 5-4, and I still think that's, that's a crazy decision, but, you know, it, it's, the, it's by the rules that hit Abraham's hand. So that's what the rules are, no matter how stupid they are. But when he, when he scored that goal, I think that that's the most crazy celebrations I've ever been in at a football game in my life really but then you know we saw the ref uh putting his finger to his ear and we, we knew it was going to be ruled out which which was unfortunate and i still um to this day i'm, I'm quite annoyed that we didn't make it count with the three points although it, it didn't end up really meaning anything because we ended up qualifying from the group anyway but we had about 20 minutes at the end when um when uh, you were down to nine men, and you managed to get some chances for yourselves as well, which was crazy. Yeah, I mean, it was funny because there were moments where I felt that after going down to nine men, Ajax were playing some of the best football they had played in the group stages up to that point, (laughs) which was was incredible to see. Um, But also just two red cards in the same passage of play and a penalty given, I have never seen in my life. And I don't think I'll ever see it again. But um, you know what? From a referee's perspective, I actually think that was amazing refereeing. Like, really kudos to the guy because it's so, so um, brave of him to play the advantage on a red card. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's one way to look at it, I guess. I mean, I was just so surprised like I had forgotten that he was on a yellow Mm. so when it happened and then the handball so Blind gets sent off too I was just confused (laughs) I was staring at the screen like not entirely sure what had happened well we were the exact same I I was quite high in the stadium and I think I saw one guy get sent off but I didn't see the other get sent off and then we, we me and my friend we were just counting up the players like wait a minute they have nine. Yeah. And we thought perhaps Onana got sent off as well because he, he was berating the referee for a really long time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, <laughs> I think Tagliafico was in his ear too. They were they were screaming at him. Yeah. But it was a it was a crazy game and I, I just remember the last well, not the last shot. I think after it was four four. I think Lissandro Martinez nearly scored. It was actually yeah. quite a good save from Kepa. But, yeah. I mean, that would have been crazy. And then, one of the last moments in the match, one of the best saves I think I've, I've ever been witness to Onana from Batshuayi. That was just ridiculous. Yeah, just pinned the ball on the ground. It was Yeah, it's an incredible save. Incredible save. Just the way they managed to hold on to it, not even the fact that he kept out of the goal, but the way he held on to it was just incredible. 
Yeah. But yeah, I guess, I guess that's that. Um, it's, it's quite weird to think that that was kind of close to 10 months ago now because it, it seems like like um, like yesterday, really. Was it really 10 months ago? Wow. Not quite, but we're now in July and it was in November, so. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> Crazy. But yeah, I think that that's one of the best football games I think I've ever been to and just that so it's what the champions league's about isn't it absolutely yeah 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 Yeah. and i think um ajax gave despite getting two men sent off they gave a very good account of themselves um uh and a good count of of dutch football on the whole well they didn't really have to because because of what they did last year in the champions league but some of the football that they played before before the sendings off was magnificent yeah yeah i mean what's so fun about that side is just the way they're set up and, and the way they, they, their, their attacking structure uniquely amongst clubs that like to maintain tons of possession is super narrow. And instead of sort of spreading out and trying to open up the feet, open up the field, they play like this quick combination play and build up that even if nothing happens, even if they don't get anywhere near goal is really fun to watch. Mm. And, and it's so fluid as well. That, that's what I was impressed by. Donny van der Beek was, was really good. He, he just, just so fluid in, in the way that he, he moved in between different positions and interchanged with Ziyech and stuff. It was really impressive. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what he offers. That's what he offers. He's, uh, mm. he's very, super positionally intelligent. Really smooth on the ball, even if it's not flashy. He's 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 a very fun player to watch. Do you think he'll leave this summer? No, I don't. Mm. I don't. I I don't. The thing about Von der Beek is he isn't this as flashy as as Ziyech or De Jong or even Onana to some extent. He doesn't have the same allure. Um, and I think because they they lost three big players last year. They're losing two now already. If you assume Onana is going to losing two, I just think there's not enough demand for Ajax to to feel incentivized to let him go. And I don't think he feels like a pressing need to leave either. Um, but that's obviously speculation. Yeah, and he's still quite young, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's not that young anymore. Um, I think he's. I want to say he's twenty three. Mm. Yeah, he's twenty three. Well, that, that's still quite young, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, next season, if he, if he's leaving the Netherlands at twenty four, that's he's not. He's no longer a young player. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see where he where he does end up going because he's clearly got so much uh, potential and he's not even just the potential. He's already a great player as it is. Um, but yeah, I just back on, back on, on the four, four, I've just remembered that although the game was crazy after the sendings off and partly due to the sendings off, I remember I got into the stadium like just, just before kickoff. I, I was running late. We were rushing I got into the stadium one one minute before kickoff, just kind of getting into my seat, 
and then it's like one one within two minutes. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, that, that that was probably the best match in the Champions League this season, I'd say. Yeah. Well, hopefully we'll we'll see some some entertaining match matches uh, similar to that in the mini tournament in, in Lisbon, which which is quite soon actually. I think it's in about a month's time. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah, so, as soon as uh. As soon as this top four race is over, we're jumping into that. Yeah, and we've still got to play Bayern away. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, what, are you, what are you guys down now? You're down Rio? What's, yeah, 3-0. Yeah, yeah. I was at that game as well. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was... I just kind of decided to, instead of, instead of egging Chelsea on, I was just going to be like, okay, I'm just going to appreciate Thiago. <laughs> because he, he ran the game. He was amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's an incredible player. All right, so I think that we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so so much uh, for joining me, Case. Um, before before you go, I'll just um, make sure that the listeners know where to find you on the internet at Hemen Case. That's H E M M E N K E E S on Twitter um, for some fantastic fantastic tweets, lots of hot takes, and and really good articles as well. Yeah. Yeah, give me a follow. Um, yeah, it was great to do this with you, though. This is, it's a good time. You're nearly on 2K, I can see. So hopefully hopefully you, you'll get to that soon. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Case. Um, and thank you very much uh, for listening. As I said at the top, you can find us on, on all our social media platforms. Make sure you give us a follow as, as well as Case. Um, and should you want to listen to this podcast or on any other, through every, any other different medium, it's available pretty much everywhere. Um, so, yeah, see you next time. Thanks for listening.